Hello and welcome back to the Silver Screen and Roll podcast. This is I Love Basketball. I'm your host, Sabrina Merchant, joined as always by Anthony Irwin. And today we're going to talk about the most dysfunctional franchise in the NBA. I don't know. Top five, at least. That could be like, that could be anybody. I'm sitting here laughing at how many fan bases out there are like, oh, at least we're not that guy. (laughs) You know, like, 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 I would imagine, I would imagine... Sixers fans woke up today. Well, at least we aren't Pelicans fans. And then Pelicans fans saw Doc Rivers thing. He was like, well, do are are you sure you don't want to be Pelicans fans? We at least still have Zion. And then Minnesota fans were like, check out these beers. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so I mean, in case you can't tell, we're recording about half an hour after it was reported that the Minnesota Timberwolves, I'm sorry, the Minnesota Timberwolves. As yeah. the spelling I'm was wolves. on their release, <laughs> Wolves <laughs> are parting ways with their uh, president of basketball operations, Garrison Rosas, who has been there for all of two years, uh, who is the one that hired their current head coach, Chris Finch, um, who has made all of their draft picks for the last two years. And including, including like last month. <laughs> right. <laughs> um. Right, who made made their draft picks, including Anthony Edwards, and uh, who who is it that they selected last month? I, I don't even know, but this is this is how little interest I have in the Minnesota Timberwolves. But yeah, for a team that is ostensibly trying to crack the West plan this year, which let's say there's 13 teams that fancy themselves playing or above teams this year in the Western Conference, a strange thing to do right before the start of training camp to get rid of your lead basketball decision maker. And then uh, for, you know, the reported reasons are that one, Alex Rodriguez and Mark Lore are exerting more influence into basketball operations, which for anyone who has listened to Alex Rodriguez commentate on the game of baseball, that is worrisome. Um, And then (laughs) apparently the team was dissatisfied with the pursuit of Ben Simmons, um, which like what, what is going on here, Anthony? Can you can you just sort of give me some clarity as to what's happening here in this Timberwolves I situation? I cannot. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> there is no explanation here that will make any sense to anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so Gerson Rosas was in Dallas for like about a year, you know, and then he was mm-hmm. now in Minnesota for two years. So technically, he doubled his length of stay. So shout stickers on Rosas for making um, some progress there. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- there's some reporting. Jake Fisher reported that uh, apparently a rod and the, the person he is. Yeah, here we go. So uh, in wake of Gerson Rosas do- the departure word has so- circulated among league sources since summer league that incoming Minnesota Timberwolves owners funny that Fisher spelt Timberwolves correctly. The Timberwolves did not. Um, Mark Lore and Alex Rodriguez have communicated they are fond of Sixers general manager Elton Brand, a name to keep an eye on here. And like that's already funny, right? In that, like these guys have known they were going to buy the team for months. They mm-hmm. this is this is not a new situation that they are walking into. If they were getting ready to fire a general manager you would want to do so earlier <laughs> than a right. week before training camp. 
And it's you know, not they, like they Elton Brand's the situation has changed or anything. Like Daryl Morey has right. been there for a year. So it's not like he's suddenly available. Like nothing right. has, nothing has changed. And on top of that, you have to wonder if this has anything to do with those guys, Alex Rodriguez and uh, the other guy's name who I already forgot. Um, it Like if they, if they are, are upset that Rosas hasn't pulled the trigger on a, on a Ben Simmons deal. Right. And, yeah. and if you're, for the sole purpose of trading for Ben Simmons, well, why not bring Ben Simmons as an executive, right? In Elton Brand. The only thing there, though, is like, I wouldn't, if you're going to trade for Ben Simmons and you're going to welcome Ben Simmons into the fold, why would you want to attach him to anything having to do with the situation he's doing everything in his power to get out of, right? Like the, the entire Phillies or Phillies, uh, Philadelphia 76er situation has gotten so toxic that Ben Simmons is willing to eat hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars in fines just to avoid seeing anybody in the office. Like just the only person who would, I think, give up more money to see somebody in the office is probably Harrison and me. If we ever get an office, right? Like he, he would. (laughs) And so like, I'm looking at, I'm looking at this entire situation here and there's a lot of intertwined, pieces that are going to make this super messy but I, I just i don't know how much messier it can get and then you know our job here is to talk about the lakers so you got to try to figure out a way to link it back to the lakers but i kind of just like laughing at these teams <laughs> like <laughs> i really enjoy laughing at doc rivers who pulled the whole i was misinterpreted misrepresented, misrepresented, misrepresented yes. in my quote as if it wasn't within his power to just say a different quote. <laughs> like he was, he was always capable of saying something other than that. And of course he's having a conversation with Stephen A. Smith, who uh, he is very close with in terms of media and coach relationships. So obviously didn't get much pushback there. And then, and then you have the David Griffin situation and how they're calling him. Uh, Griffin Kraus, Griff Kraus, Griff Kraus, you know, which like David Grifton is sitting right there. (laughs) It's it's standing right there. So you have that situation. And and we know that the the relationship between Lakers fans and Pelicans fans isn't that great. So I had a great time laughing about that this morning. And then on top of all of this, you have this Minnesota situation where Glenn Taylor, the former owner of the Minnesota Timberwolves, he's selling the team. He outright refused to ever trade with the Los Angeles Lakers because of the entire Minnesota Minneapolis Lakers thing. And you know what? Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you and I have had conversations the entire offseason about things that have, you know, irked us about the Lakers process of doing things. I feel pretty good about everything that's happened with the Lakers over the last two months. <laughs> I'm like coming the grass around. is not <laughs> always greener. <laughs> Goodness yeah. gracious. I mean, yeah. yeah. How do you, I think, just, how I do you even... think this affects the Lakers though? Like, let's put it that if, if a Ben Simmons trade happens, and mm-hmm. I would imagine it's probably going to be D'Angelo Russell. Um, mm-hmm. It could be Anthony Edwards, potentially, right? Because the incoming yeah, I don't GM think Anthony Edwards is, didn't is trade. Moving. Well, Right, but like the, the incoming GM didn't draft Anthony Edwards, so it's not mm-hmm. technically his guy. That said, like the incoming GM didn't trade for D 
D'Angelo Russell didn't, right, you know, right. you know, didn't not attached to anything on the Timberwolves. Yeah, yeah. So, I just think if you're looking from a talent perspective, right? Like if you're trying to make any noise as the Timberwolves, you cannot move Cat because mm-hmm. he is the player who makes Ben Simmons work, right? Like the mm-hmm. idea of Philadelphia just didn't work because they had two functional centers on offense with Simmons and Embiid. And the beauty of Cat is that he operates from anywhere on the floor at remarkable mm-hmm. efficiency. So offensively, that makes a lot of sense. So I, yeah, I think Cat's a no-go. Yep. I would assume Ant is not part of the deal just because it you can't move that recent of a number one pick unless you're getting and rookie like, of the year, right? Or close to rookie of the no. I think Lamelo won rookie of the year. Lamelo yeah. won, yeah. So uh, Ant was either second or third. I forget where Halliburton mm-hmm. finished, but. Yeah, I would assume it's like a D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley package. And so, mm-hmm. one, we could discuss how this affects the Western Conference, where I think it makes the Timberwolves better to have Ben Simmons than those two players. But, yeah. again, if the Lakers are doing their business correctly, like there's no reason why they should be concerned about the machinations of the Minnesota Timberwolves versus, mm-hmm. you know, all the other teams in the West. <laughs> um, as far as the Sixers as a contender, I think they're a little bit more interesting with D'Angelo Russell instead of Ben Simmons operating at the point. I do think that defensive backcourt is flammable, highly flammable with D'Angelo Russell and Seth Curry at the one and two. Um, Danny Green, old friend Danny Green, is not getting any younger. Um, That's a lot of work that you are tasking that man with if he has to clean up all of the backcourt fires that are set by D'Angelo Russell and Seth Curry. Um, Admittedly, there is Joel Embiid there, you know, to anchor that defense, but it's... I don't know. I, I think like the team makes more sense cohesively on offense. If you bring in D'Angelo Russell and obviously you just want a guy who's like willing to dribble and shoot at the end of games, like that's mm-hmm. basic principles, many point guard, but I, I don't know. They, 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 they don't seem all that threatening to me. If that's the haul that you're getting for Ben Simmons. Um, I just think it's a deal that needs to get done for both sides clearly because people are losing their jobs in Minnesota for their inability to acquire Ben Simmons and in Philadelphia, everything has gone to hell in a handbasket because, I mean, you talked about it on the show this morning. Like, even the radio jacks are losing their minds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think what this does with Minnesota is they become a team that the Lakers might face in the first round. I don't mm-hmm. think there was ever a scenario with D'Angelo Russell there and Anthony Edwards and Carl uh, Anthony Towns as their core that they are a team that the, that that makes the playoffs. I don't they might fight for it. They maybe get into the play-in game, but I don't think that's a team that the Lakers would see uh in the postseason. That said, like now, if you do add Ben Simmons to that, he does improve their defense. They I just think they become a more serious regular season team, albeit maybe a worse postseason team because like Ben Simmons is clearly a, a player that you could just scheme out in the postseason. Mm-hmm. Um and it, they're like, I guess if you're going to say that those players are going to be traded for each other, then the opposite ones are being true in Philadelphia, where regular season, I think they're going to be a little bit worse because they're going to be worse defensively with D'Angelo Russell and Malik Beasley in, instead of Ben Simmons. But are they more dangerous potentially in the postseason? I, you can maybe make the argument there because they have at every at any time uh, down the stretch of a game, every player on the court is going to be a threat, right? Whether D'Angelo Russell is a threat to to create something for himself, whether it's Joel Embiid, obviously, and then the shooters that they surround those guys with. Um, maybe that's how that goes. I still don't, like, I, 
I know this is probably kind of illogical, but I could still see Daryl Morey sitting this out, like just saying, no, nah, that's not that's not the hall that I want. He just doesn't yeah. seem to care about like chemistry. Like that's not something that he's ever really seemed to care about. And so he's perfectly fine just saying, yeah, we'll just wait Ben out. And mm-hmm. if he ever gets sick of losing money when he could just show up and play and make money um, and, and, and at least get some leverage back for himself that way. I think it would be a disaster. I think doing that <laughs> would, would not work out for anybody. But I could all I could I I could see it because he's that kind of stubborn. He's that kind of negotiator. Yeah, I mean Daryl Morey doesn't make a trade where he doesn't get the most talented player at the end of it. And yeah. uh, I mean, I I was never the biggest D'Angelo Russell fan when he was in Los Angeles. I I find it hard to make an argument that he's a more talented player than Ben Simmons, even for all of Simmons's faults. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I would imagine Maury seeing it the same way. I, I also just think it's less likely for him to make a deal with Minnesota now that Gerson Rosas is out. Well, there's Rosas that. is a Rockets yeah. guy, and mm-hmm. he comes from the Daryl Morey, you know, Brain GM trust. tree. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's easier to make deals with people that you're familiar with. And who knows? I mean, if, if Elton Brand ends up taking that spot with Minnesota, then there's definitely a certain familiarity there that Daryl Morey could work with. Mm-hmm. But uh, maybe he just sees this as a situation where he can pounce and take advantage of a lack of leadership in Minnesota. Uh, like that other, could make it easier yeah, to make yeah, a deal. Yeah. The other thing too, though, is like, if you trade for, let's say Philly just says, screw it. We'll make a trade for the picks and young players and that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then see what that does to the team in and of itself right away. And then try to flip those pieces that you get for the player that you actually wanted to right. trade Ben Simmons for, right? Mm-hmm. You can't quite do that with D'Angelo Russell. Like if you trade for D'Angelo Russell, you're basically tying yourself to D'Angelo Russell because there aren't going to be any more teams. There are going to be very few teams, I think, at this point who are saying, you know what? We know the tweak. We know the tweak that will get D'Angelo Russell to become a more winning, consistent basketball player. Uh, and, and, you know, it sucks to say, I, I did like Russell as a, I think mm-hmm. he got an extremely raw deal. Um, Absolutely. He was playing for a coach who was being mandated from above just to get Kobe the ball as often as possible. That is not a situation that any rookie is going to, is going to figure it out. in. then you had the whole Nick Young situation and that was handled about as poorly as possible by every adult, except for, I would argue, D'Angelo Russell. Like right? Russell came out and apologized yeah. and he was the kid. Uh, and so I, I, I always thought that he got kind of a raw deal there, but at the same time, you know, you, you have to, at some point, make the best of the situation around you. He did in, in, uh, in Brooklyn. I think he did in Brooklyn. Less so, I think, in Golden State. Though, again, tough situation there with all the injuries. And then I think in Minnesota, I think it was kind of a mixed bag. I think it just it just was what it was. And uh, I think now he's at that stage of his career where he's probably not young enough to be considered a project. He's paid like he's not a project anymore. And, and yet he's not necessarily um, old enough to where some team is going to just convince themselves, yeah, this guy gets it. This guy is going gonna, is gonna to help us win. So – uh, it's it's tough there because if that's the key asset that Minnesota is trying to get Ben Simmons for, I don't think that's the kind of trade Daryl Morey makes because not only is he less talented than Ben Simmons, he also isn't so 
uh, he doesn't, he's not some great prospect that he, you can turn around and get a Bradley Beal if he becomes available or Damian Lillard if he becomes available. The trade to make, ironically, is probably Ben for Kyrie or Ben for CJ McCollum, but none of those situations, none of the other teams want to make that kind of a trade for a variety of their own reasons. Yeah, I mean, I do wonder how much like they're willing to just make this get ugly in Philly because, like you said, there's there's two very stubborn parties here. Um, one of them in Ben Simmons, who is just dissatisfied with the way that Philadelphia has publicly treated him. Um, and I, I'm not sure if you read like the particulars of his contract where he gets 50% of his salary up front before the start of the season. So even once he gets fined for missing games, like he will have already gotten 50% of his salary once those fines start kicking mm-hmm. in. And that's a lot easier to stomach. I would imagine than if it comes <laughs> yeah. from the start of your right. salary. Uh, and then you have yeah. like an equally immovable party in Daryl Morey, um, who, like we said, is just like prides himself on being a master negotiator, winning every deal. And he just doesn't seem to have the leverage to win this deal, which makes it more likely that he waits until that leverage turns his way, right? Like you wait until a team becomes desperate and needs to trade for Ben. Um, so I, unfortunately for Minnesota, because they clearly made this move with the eye of getting Ben Simmons sooner than later. Uh, I, I don't think they're in the driver's seat yet. Like unless they are willing to put Good Anthony hand. Edwards into a, a mm-hmm. deal, which I think would be a mistake. Um, my guess is Simmons still stays on the Sixers a little bit longer. I mean, he's already outlasted Marcus all. So one, <laughs> one down. <laughs> uh, I don't know why I made that a seven day poll, knowing that Marcus all was going to be released <laughs> the next day. Like that was just stupid on my part. And it then like, I, you so look, close of a vote. It was 50, Goodness. 50 the whole way. Yeah. <laughs> until like, until, you had a whole bunch of people pounce on like, oh, see, I knew it. I was right. Mark, yeah. <laughs> Mark did it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just remarkable like how much dysfunction exists in the league right now. Like I, I really thought we were getting to a, a smarter place in terms of decision making. Um, and it's just not the case at all. Not at all. What's funny so I just, uh, right before I went on with you, I recorded the t- tonight slash tomorrow's lowdown. Mm-hmm. And, um, and one of the things that I was talking about is like, we're getting fewer players as executives. And I think that has made for smarter front offices, uh, just like analytically speaking. And just in terms of like, you know, ability to, to see through blind spots to a certain mm-hmm. extent. But I think it's made for a dumber set of front offices when it comes to how the league operates and what players are looking for when they're in their relationships with front offices you have you know a whole bunch of for lack of a better term nerds showing up and they're looking at all of these players as assets as you know trade chips and as sets of numbers that you're hoping to fit to optimize your rotations and stuff like that when that isn't basketball like at its core basketball what I love about basketball and soccer is along the same thing is that it's the set of pulleys that they all have to be running and, and gears that all have to be running smoothly with an understanding that like, sometimes you have to put more weight on this side of the court. And, you know, sometimes players just need a couple extra possessions over here so that they're willing to do some of the things that you're more willing that, that the team needs them to do consistently. And I think 
like one of the things that's been really fascinating about this analytics era, this analytics heavy era is you are seeing more combative players, not just because of the superstar empowerment era, but also in terms of like, no, screw you. I, I have the leverage here. I am the player. You are replaceable. I am not. And then you have the, the analytics people saying like, no, actually I can make a competitive team with or without you in the case of less than superstar type players. And I think it's made for kind of an ugly uh, relationship at times with, with how, with how these, these teams operate with their players. All right. So a uh, minor bit of news, the Timberwolves are promoting Sachin Gupta to be their new head of basketball operations. He is definitely a process guy, right? He's from mm-hmm. Philly. Mm-hmm. That would be a hilarious negotiation between him and Maury. Just absolutely <laughs> hilarious. Um, Who can make but... their team worse? Let's see. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> it's, it's interesting because like it, the analytics era, I think started, you know, in baseball where uh, teamwork is not so much of a factor in how it, a group performs on the field, right? Like every person has to bat on their own. Every person has yeah. to field on their own. Like, and then when you apply analytics to basketball, like team chemistry is such an inexact science that like treating a five-man unit as some sort of analytics product just doesn't work the same way as it would yeah. in baseball. Mm-hmm. And just navigating those interpersonal dynamics is something that I feel like a lot of teams fail on. Um, and well, I mean, we're obviously seeing it with Ben, even though the, the Sixers like nominally tried to, you know, get that player's friendly coach in Doc Rivers and get that former player in the front office and Elton Brand. And it, it still hasn't worked. Uh, yeah. So it, it's just interesting that there's so many different ways to go about this team building process and God, it's just so hard. It's so hard to find the right one. And the problem is, is that like 29 teams get it wrong every year, right? Like that's, that's our yeah. standard for success. So, yeah, I mean, I just, God, I would, I would hate to be a Wolves fan right now. I need to be a Sixers fan right now. I would hate to now. be a Wolves fan in general. Well, Period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A Minnesota fan, honestly. I mean, oh, I you say are this a Vikings a, fan, aren't you? <laughs> as a Vikings fan, it's just it's just relentless kicks to the to the nether region every week, in every big moment. Um, yeah, and and you would think like if you were getting kicked anywhere by the Vikings, they would miss because of like how bad they are <laughs> at field goals. But but nope, then that's the situation that they get that right. It's one of my favorite and simultaneously least favorite aspects of covering the NBA because it's my favorite in that like it is very much a human element story, right? It is a, Mm -hmm. it is a human story, how all of these ego driven, super talented people have to come together and work together in order to accomplish the goal, right? Be the one out of the 30 teams that can look at the season as a success. If that is the only way that you're defining success. Um, so on that side, it's, it's really interesting to see how that works out. Like you and I have issues sometimes with the decisions that the Lakers make and sometimes with the process under which they make them, but at least we kind of sort of know that we are never going to see a situation here like this with mm-hmm. Rob Palenka and with LeBron James. Cause at the end of the day, Rob Palenka just like signs the checks and then just like, you know, <laughs> Le- LeBron, LeBron, like Aunt Carmelo Anthony just came out and said like, yeah, LeBron's a GM, you know? 
and and it's, it's not like LeBron went out there and tweeted like, "No, man, come on." Yeah, you, you, no, it was like or yeah. anyone else on the Lakers, <laughs> right? No, like nobody, Jeannie like, or... <laughs> nobody addressed it. Like Carmelo Anthony comes out and says it. The whole Laker organization is like, "Yeah." I'm sorry. Was there something wrong with that statement? <laughs> what are you talking? And so it's kind of nice that, you know, even while sometimes, and, and, and like it leads to, because I see the game somewhere in between like the player heavy thing where you got like real hoopers or you have like the analytics things where spacing matters and, and shot selection matters and all of that. Um, and so like it's, it, I, will wind up disagreeing a lot of times with the decisions that the Lakers make, but at least, you know, that we aren't going to wake up one day and have this kind of a news cycle that we have to cover there for a while. We already did it once with magic. Um, I don't think we're going to be heading there again. Whereas like, I think all of these teams that have very analytic friendly analytic forward front offices, if I'm a fan of one of those teams, I think that's always something that I'm going to be a little nervous about. I think they just seem very volatile. Yeah. I mean, they, they fired their head coach and hired a new one within like three hours on a random yeah. Sunday in March or mm-hmm. February. I don't know. Um, apparently Rosas was holding meetings with players today in the gym when they learned that he had been fired. So, I mean, just what, what a strange situation to exist in as a player. Like, when this type of news comes out and Carl Anthony Towns tweets WTF immediately. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, like, like you said, like we went through this with magic, right. Where LeBron was pissed at magic Johnson for putting the Lakers in that situation, right. Like not informing anyone ahead of time, I guess, you know, it, it, it got bad, not too long ago for the Lakers, but like, you know, that one ring sort of clouds, any of the, <laughs> any of the bad <laughs> things that happened before then. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is just the way of doing business in the NBA, right? Like there's just too many people with, there's a constant power struggle between too many different parties. Um, and it just seems impossible to appease everyone at any given moment, unless you've just won a title. Like that, that seems like the only moment of stability for any team (laughs) in the NBA right now. It's like, if the owner holds the the NBA like the the Larry O'Brien trophy just a little too long, players are like, all right, that's it. I'm out. Give me, give yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's it, it has, you're right. It's gotten so ridiculous now that and and look, this is before we get to the CBA negotiations here. And those CBA oh, negotiations are going to be taking place with the possibility of a $75 billion national TV deal. And that's an, that's an insane amount of money that's going to be on the line whenever those CBA negotiations go down. And both sides of those negotiations are going to be livid. Players are going to be pissed because of the way that they were, they were just kind of told, yeah, you got to go to work for, for COVID, like during COVID. Mm-hmm. You, know, you just got to go in the bubble. You got to, oh, we're not having an all-star weekend. We are having an all-star weekend, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you, you wanted some realistic time off. Nope. You're going to get a month if that, you know, and, and so players are going to be pissed about that. And then owners, or I guess governors are going to be pissed about the entire player empowerment situation where mm-hmm. you have somebody like Ben Simmons, who is just not going to show up for work. He's healthy. He's capable of playing and he's just choosing not to show up for work. And, and this is like an extreme example of it, but we see it with games. 
with the game management thing. We saw it with Kyrie, right? Where they just players sometimes just decide, nah, I just don't feel like working today. And, and, you know, while I understand it, while we all get sick days, you and I work for a company that is kind enough to get a, give us um, unlimited PTO in, in the event that we need it. Forever grateful for that. Um, and, and so like, I'd be hypocritical if I said like, just go to work guys, uh, I have taken sick days. And so like, if, if, if it comes down to it, a player should take care of themselves, but an owner is going to say like, well, we got to figure out what the balance of that is going to be because there are national TV games that we benefit from the ratings from what I like, can you, can we, can you skip the one that we're playing against the Orlando magic and play the one we're playing against the Milwaukee Bucks? Like, can we, can we skip the ones that don't matter as much and play there? And, and I think all of this kind of feeds into that entire situation. And you see it now where you have such insanely volatile situations with, with now Minnesota, you had the like Zion Williamson and, and David Griffin are barely on talking terms, according to, to Christian Clark. Like you have, it's just, it's just a whole freaking mess. And, and like those CBA negotiations, I think at one point during the last negotiations, somebody threatened to fight somebody. Um, gosh, I forget. That was during the lockout that a player had to be restrained because they were getting ready to fight somebody. And, uh, and, and I think we're going to be seeing stuff like that again this time around. Just to put a bow on all of this, how much, how much of the, the credit or blame for this does LeBron James deserve? For the player empowerment era? Yeah, just... Well, well, it's I, trade I, demands I, that are, you know, been engineered by clutch sports, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. A lot of it, you know, uh, and I think that's bad and good, good and bad. It depends on however you want to define it. Right. Like I think to a certain extent, it's good that players can players should have always had leverage over the situation in professional sports, because without said players, there is no multi-billion dollar sports league. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, it isn't realistic to say that LeBron and Giannis and, you know, stars from the NBA, XYZ, whatever, can just go out there and create their own league. We've seen with like the big three how difficult it is to create their own league. But uh, that said, if they were to just say, you know what, we're just not going to, we're just not going to play ball, I don't know what the governors would do, you know? And, and right. so, uh, to a certain extent, it's good that there is this amount of of leverage, newfound leverage here with with at least the superstars. I don't like calling it the player empowerment era because it, it very much it's is not. It's the star empowerment. Yeah. Yeah. And even there, like it's it's the superstar empowerment because like Ben Simmons isn't exactly empowered right now. Like he's he's a star and. Like, yeah, it seems fairly empowered to me. He's, you know, he's he might get fined though. Cash in eighteen million dollars of checks before he gets fined. So. Well, yeah, but that's like that's how like the contract was written up, mm-hmm. and then eventually he might have to start giving some of that back, right? And I kind of like this is probably going to be unpopular. I think I'm hoping that he gets fined because the teams have to take like you can't just not honor contracts. I, mm-hmm. I I'm expected you and you and I are expected to do X amounts of work as mm-hmm. a part of our contract. Yes, we have unlimited PTO, but if we don't do our stuff, <laughs> that PTO becomes very tricky, right? And so uh, I, I think, I, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see if Philly does decide, especially with Clutch, because I don't know what Clutch is going to look like whenever LeBron retires. Will, will some team kind of gamble and say, no, Rich, like 
you you have your leverage right now with LeBron, but we are gambling by tanking our relationship with you right now that whenever LeBron retires, either he's going to have to divest because he wants to be an owner or because he isn't a player anymore, he won't wield the same kind of uh, cultural power within the league that he has been able to leverage to this point. So I, I, I don't, it's, it's, I don't know how this is going to go, but, but I think, I think overall, I think it's progress. I think it's been messy progress, but it's been progress. And I think LeBron deserves both credit and blame for it. Yeah. I mean, just, just looking at all of these franchises who have struggled to manage themselves properly over the last few years, if you're a star player, why why would you want to subject yourself to the whims of these just ridiculously capricious organizations? (laughs) Right. um, It just, it doesn't seem fair to, you know, I mean, we talk about player star empowerment, like that, that comes after seven years of your career, right? Like, right. Um, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's not like, there's no empowerment for rookies. There's no empowerment mm-hmm. on a rookie skill contract or anything like that. So yeah, it's great that these stars are getting to control their own destiny, but again, seven years after they come into the NBA. So there's still a lot of control being exerted by these organizations. And I think what we're learning is they need to do a better job of it because I am just fascinated by the Zion situation in New Orleans. If he actually tries to get out before that usual mm-hmm. seven-year window like he seems to be the first one who could do it mm-hmm. um, but like there's just so much uh there's so much infrastructure in place <clears throat> that makes these guys stay with their original teams you know yeah. and for someone to break through that like is going to be a monumental shift um we didn't even really talk about new orleans today i mean what David Griffin like made Zion listen to him play piano in the bubble. Is that what I read correctly? Uh, yeah. Playing clear to lose. What what is happening in that organization? <laughs> I don't know. But that there again, there again, those like we talked about the relationship that Rob and LeBron have, right? LeBron mm-hmm. for for what we'll call him LeBron, right? Let's now. not let's workshop that Le- and come back with something okay. better next week. It's- he does sound like LeBlob, and that doesn't. Yeah. That's no, when we're talking about Zion. So, but like, um, but like when, when you, when you're talking about the relationships between superstar and organization, that is the same thing with coaching, same thing with ownership, same thing with executives. If you cannot get along with your superstar, you do not belong in the game period. Like that's it. And, and I think here with David Griffin, I think he has really struggled to get along uh, with, with Zion I think he had a fairly good relationship with LeBron. It, it, it never seemed, we never got the same kind of stuff here, but there again, like I mean, Le- when LeBron got to the Lakers, Griffin said that he wasn't interested in winning championships anymore. He was just interested in his brand, too. right? So he yeah. might just be difficult to get along with, you know, he seems like mm-hmm. a, a fairly nice guy, but also like if, if you're, if you're, if you're now this far into your career, and you think that playing the piano is a way to endear yourself to a superstar, a young superstar. He was like 20 years old, maybe, right? Like Zion, yeah. when he came into the league, he was like 20 years old. You think he wants to hear some old white dude play Moonlight Sonata? Like, what are you okay, doing? No one ever said it was Moonlight Sonata, right? You're just throwing out things here? Yeah, I'm just... <laughs> okay. I don't I'm think it was Drake. Like David Griffin, like ripping on like some jazz melody or something. It's 
thing is a song a piano man like i don't know either way like it's probably it's probably not something that zion really understands like super strange super super strange so yeah i, I don't again it, it just it's the the entire league is in this really interesting place and i think it does it feels like it's hurling towards a breaking point where something is going to have to give between governors and players where they come to this understanding where you can demand a trade or if and when you demand a trade, these are the steps that legally have to be taken, like that legally have to be taken, you know, and, mm-hmm. and it, it, it's gotten so ridiculous here where Ben Simmons has, no, Dame Lillard has four years on his contract, right? I think Ben Simmons also has like three or four years left on his contract. Four years. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't just like, you can't sign that kind of a deal and then just immediately turn around and say, nah, this sucks. <laughs> you know, like yeah. you can technically, but like it, if I'm, if I'm owner of one of these governors of one of these teams, I'm saying like, well, then why would we ever offer any of these contracts? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, does there need to be a clause in there that says like, you, you can't do something like that in the first year, you can't be traded in the first year of your brand new extension i don't know it's, it's all going to be a negotiation i think it's going to be a fascinating one yeah and i think we brought this up about a year ago when james harden was you know making things very difficult for the rockets in training camp and mm-hmm. i believe you and i talked about how the rockets should find him and they were never going to and yeah. adam silver put no pressure on them to find james harden even though he was violating COVID protocols in the process. Yeah. It wasn't just that too. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't yeah. just the trade demand. It was yeah. all of the other excess stuff and nothing happened there. Um, Simmons is obviously not the same caliber of talent or star that James Harden is. So this is an easier situation, I think for the Sixers to navigate than that was, but gosh, it is all super messy. Um, I am just terrifically surprised that we were talking about these messy dysfunctional franchises and the Lakers are somehow a model of stability, even though they have recycled what 12 of the players on their 15 man roster from last season. Mm -hmm. Kudos to the Lakers for, you know, figuring out how to stay above this this mess that is happening around the league. Yes. The muck that has engulfed the rest of the league. Uh, I mean, I, I just hope Ben Simmons finds a place that, he enjoys playing in, or I don't even know if he really enjoys playing basketball that much or if he's just good at it, but the league is better when stars are playing and whatever your thoughts on Ben Simmons, he is a star. He should be playing. Um, I just hope this all gets resolved fairly quickly because in spite of how, again, fantastically entertaining all of this stuff is the basketball product is what we should be focusing on. And I would rather <laughs> pivot yeah. to that sooner than later. We have six days till training camp, like less than that, maybe, right? And yeah, training yeah. like media day is on the 28th. We're recording this on the 22nd. So by the time you guys are listening to this, some of you guys are going to be listening to this. We're going to be five days away from, from media day and training camp. And the Minnesota Timberwolves have a brand new minutes old president of basketball operations, who, by the way, might not even stick around because they're getting new ownership. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, um, best of luck to Sachin Gupta. Uh, that's, a, that's a tricky role that you've just stepped into, but uh, very cool representation for Indian Americans. I was just going to say that yeah. out there. First yeah. ever Indian. First born. ever. Yeah. Yeah. So for him, um, 
you know, best wishes to Gerson Rosas. I'm sure you'll land on your feet somewhere. Maybe Daryl Morey can hire as your lieutenant when Elton Brand moves on. Um, and uh, yeah, that, that's about that. <laughs> Make sure you're subscribed to this Liver Screen Roll podcast. So we have shows about the Lakers and, you know, the rest of the NBA every day of the week. And Anthony, I, I will be back next Wednesday. Take care.